ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Proud to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Burris Optics. Find what matters. Proudly made in the USA. Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. The pack system for all your scenarios, initial ascent, expect more and never settle. Titanium Archery Products, dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. Western Fly Covers, ultralight element protection for your gear. Stay on your game. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. So sitting down with my brother, Derek Depew. What's up, buddy? How you been, man? What's going on, man? Been doing real well. Uh, sitting here, I got a Eh, just a small little glass of uh, cherry moonshine. This, this oh. dude, it is a uh, so I, I I like that peanut butter one, right? I don't drink a lot, um, but we went to I was supposed to go on a fishing trip. Weather blew it out, blah blah blah. And you, I don't know what they're called. You know the the I'm gonna say I'm gonna butcher it wrong. They're like the Machino cherries or whatever. Those real red ones are like cocktail cherries or some shit. Yeah, the maraschino cherries. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, and I was like, I told my wife, I go, look at this. I love those things, man. And uh, holy crap, dude. That's awesome. So That's funny thing, we had uh, right after college, it was like doing the one year anniversary thing and you know we all get together at a buddy's house 
So I get there early. It's like noon, one o'clock. It wasn't supposed to start till two or three. And they're setting the party up. So I walk up to this table and there's, you know, I got a beer in my hand, but they got a jar of these cherries. So I don't know any better. I grab a cherry, I eat another one. I start popping these things. They're delicious, right? So they walk in the house. I'm hammered. <laughs> and he says, what happened? You've been drinking already? I'm like, I only had this beer. I said, I ate some cherries. He goes, oh, Mo. He goes, how many cherries did you eat? I said, I don't know, about 10 or 12 of them. He goes, oh, my God. He said, dude, they're soaked in Everclear. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how this jar probably has 150 of them things in there. <laughs> and I pulled one out when I first opened the jar and I chewed on it. I was like, oh, I mean, it packs a punch when you chew on them. <laughs> I was sauced. I didn't even know. Like, what's going on? One beer? Ugh. Yeah, they uh it, it's definitely this flavored moonshine is dangerous, dude. It uh it'll creep up on you real quick and you don't I mean you know you're drinking, right? That sounds stupid as hell, but you don't taste the alcohol. So you just saw this, you know, drink, 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 and then boom, it hits you like a freaking bat. <laughs> so um I don't know, man. Why don't you give us, drop a little background. Tell us who Derek is. Um, I mean, we'll keep it short, right? We've been there before. This is what we've recorded once before. Um, yeah. So drop that a little bit. I want to talk about your elk season. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just go from there, brother. Sounds good. I'm Derek DePew. I'm the owner of the Mountain Hunter Box. I've uh, been hunting for about 35 years, give or take, hunting whitetails and started hunting elk about i think this was my yeah this is my third season and uh i'm a police officer full-time and i was injured on the job and while i was laid up uh, getting surgery done on my shoulder and my bicep and all that stuff i was recovering decided that laying around doing nothing wasn't going to cut it so i started looking for stuff that i can do within realm of my workman's comp which what they would let me do and uh so subscription box thing popped up so there you have it I, I mean i started ordering a few just to get a feel for what was going on and you know i was getting things like peep sites and stickers and they were saying they're worth ten dollars or fifteen dollars and you know they gave me a set of broadheads that they said were worth 45 and i know the website sells them for 25 so i was like i can do better than this so the rest is history, man. And that's booming right now, huh? I mean, in terms of, you know, that you increasing sales yeah. and that business growing, it seems like you're doing really well since the last time we talked. Yeah. You know, shockingly enough, this COVID thing has been a, I mean, I don't want to say a blessing because I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people who've lost because of it, but shockingly enough, my sales have been pretty good. Um, I've talked to some other companies that have said they can't even get product in fast enough. And other companies say they can't make product fast enough. But then I've talked to others who said, you know, sales, are, they're not selling anything. And to talk about closing doors and you know, it's tough. Um, but, you know, we've been, we've been pretty blessed. It's, it's been going very well. And now we're coming into our fourth quarter. This is our busiest time. So the next 60 days are going to be slamming for us, which is also great, but it's bad in terms of, 
you know, shipping and curating because, because of the COVID. Um, getting product here is an absolute nightmare. All the distributors are back ordered or, you know, they tell you it'll be there in a week and it'll show up two weeks, three weeks later. Or, you know, you contact the company and say, yeah, no problem. I can make that deadline. You know, that's two months away. You know, I'll be able to get that taken care of. And then the day before the product's supposed to arrive, they call and say, oh, I can't make that order. Sorry. Um, we won't be able to make this happen. Ugh. So, you know, I try not to fault them too much. I know there's a lot going on right now. So just call audibles and make it happen. Yeah. That's a, and what, I mean, it has to take away from the woods a little bit, right? Especially right now. I mean, you guys really just kick off your hunting um, here in the last couple of weeks and, you know, run it through these, you know, these winter, the fall and into the winter months. So that has to, uh, how do you balance that? So it's been easier the last couple of years. We started in May of 2018 was our first box. Um, but this year is a lot tougher because the volume's a lot higher. Um, so I've just been balancing, you know, like this past week, I had two days off. Uh, one day I hunted, I was just going to hunt half the day. But then I had, you know, I shot a deer and spent the day looking for her. And, but the whole next day I spent working on my box. And, you know, the good thing is, is with my job, I've got seniority so I can take time off where it's needed, you know, to get things wrapped up. I obviously can't hunt every waking moment like I used to, which is okay. You know, I'm at the point now where I'm okay with that. You know, I enjoy my time better because I'm not devoted 100% and, you know, 100% focused on that. So instead, I go out a few days here and there and just, you know, I really enjoy it. Has to be some, there's some value fulfillment, if you will, in doing what you're doing, right? So, you know, it is, it is a business, but it is still in the hunting space, in the hunting realm. Um, and just any bit that I can get my hands on, right, in, in doing this stuff is, it's still part of that, it, you know, it feeds that fire for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I tell myself, all the time, like, oh, you know, I just want to consume myself in the industry. Like, I, and I find myself doing it and it's terrible. And I, and it's not terrible to a point because of the industry. It's terrible to a point because I don't have time, <laughs> you know, with a young, young family, a full career running this business and hunting. I don't have time to take anything else on. And yet I'm constantly looking for the next level. Like, what am I going to do next? It's just, it's, uh, it's quite the addiction. <laughs> and, and, you know, I guess in the, in the, you know, I have a business in the hunting realm as is better than most, right? Because most of us are just spending. <laughs> yeah. I've done extremely well this year. Um, but years before, man, it was just, you know, just a bad habit, I guess. You know, you just spend, spend. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. And yeah. uh, it's just crazy. So there's there definitely some financial benefit to it. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that I have to tell myself, and I, I've been pretty good about it, is not to buy the next craze, you know, the next right. newest model or the next best. I, I find myself really 
I like to think of myself as really reserved when it comes to that. And, you know, it doesn't work well for companies when I'm shooting their older bow or, you know, older broadheads or, but I'm very practical. And if I find something that works, you're probably have to dig them, pull it out of my cold dead hands. Like I, I, I'm not going to just go jump on the next thing. Cause I'm just, Oh, this is great. Like if I find something that's true, I'm going to stick with it. And that's what I'm going to use. So the biggest problem is, you know, these ads pop up. You're like, yeah, I got I'm going to, yeah, I want that. And then I got to call myself back and say, slow down. You've got a bow you haven't shot a deer with. You've got a pack you haven't hauled an elk out with, you know, things like that. Like something else pops. I'm like, I'm going to buy that. And I'm like, wait a minute. I don't even know what the, what the product I'm using can do <laughs> yet. I'm looking ready. to upgrade yeah. already. Yep. That's uh, so. it's, it's a, I have fun with the gear. You know, I love tinkering and, oh, yeah. and messing with it, but uh, yeah, it is, it can be a detriment, especially when you look at, you know, if you're limited to whatever finance you're spending on your hunting, you know, every year, if you, you know, budget it. Uh, and that's the thing, like my budget for my budget for my hunting, I had to turn around because I thought my wife was behind me. Uh, my budget for my hunting is <laughs> a, a lot higher than it should be. <laughs> but yeah. like I said, I did really, really good this last year. I think the only thing that I really put money into was uh, my IA pack system and, and getting all the bags for that suspension for that frame. And because it's just, you know, it's like if I go out on a day hunt, I don't want to carry my 4,000, um, oh. you know, and, and yeah, you can, you know, you can strap it down and get and tightened up, but it was just, it was one of those things for years. It was like, man, I would love to have a system that I could just run for absolutely everything. So, yeah. you know, when I made the switch over to IA, um, then they hit with the 2k and the 6k. It was, it was just a no brainer. You know, it was like, okay, I got to do this is what I've been waiting for, for, I don't know, five, six years. <laughs> yeah. And that was really, I you think know. the only thing that, that hit me this year, um, was, you know, was that expense. But outside of that, I was shoot, I was really good. In you terms know, don't get of me, me wrong. If I, if I had the extra funds, I'd spend like crazy and I'd try everything. Right. But I also, you know, ever since having my son, my funds in my life have been devoted to him. So I don't, it's weird to say, but like the hunting stuff, I piece it together what I can as the year goes on. So last year I spent quite a bit of money. Like I, I had to upgrade to everything because everything I had was old, heavy, you know, it's not practical, not packable, not just, just dated. Right. So I started with the sleeping bag. That was number one. Cause the sleeping bag I had was, God, I think it was f almost five pounds. And <laughs> you can roll it up any smaller than a large duffel bag. Yeah. I was going to say rolled up. It's like, you know, 16 by 12 by. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I upgraded the, the sleeping bag and uh, you know what? I went a little different on the shelter this year. And, uh, well, I don't even know if you could say upgraded. I minimal, minimalist, mm -hmm. minimalized <laughs> <it>. more. Min <laughs> yeah. Um, I went with a mountain ambush, Bibby shelter. And 
that's what I ran. And, you know, we faced that night. I, I couldn't tell you. It, it, the temperature dropped. We got snow. It was like a rain snow mix. It was just a miserable night. And um, so we set up shelter. And <clears throat> when I got in there, I was I had a lot of wet clothes. So I had an extra canister of fuel. So I fired up the, the little pocket stove, backpack stove, <laughs> just to get it a little warm inside of there. And it helped dry some things out. And then I, so I got some messages when I posted a photo of that shelter about, man, you're tougher than most, or you're this year. And I thought to myself, if these guys only knew the half of how freaked out I was all night, <laughs> laying on the ground, staring out that flap that was flapping, like just waiting, thinking something was going to eat me, you know, but you know, I made it through the night and then after that it was okay. I was good to go. But that first night it was, uh, Maybe two hours of sleep. Maybe. You know, isn't that a funny, isn't that a funny play, you know, that we do in our mind? Cause I run that, I run that ambush tarp uh, as well. And, but I use my hammock, uh, but I really like the diversity in it. Right. If, you know, I get in areas, you know, there's no trees or like, you know, where we were at, um, trees were falling all over the dang place sometimes. Yeah. Um, so if you got a bug out, you can throw it on the ground. But the val one, the value that Mountain Ambush is selling that tarp. Dude, there's tarps that are lesser that are probably quadruple the money. They're selling it for like 69 bucks. Um, yeah. I mean, you can't, it's 10 by 10, 69 bucks. You could put it on the ground. I figured out five different configurations on the ground. But for me, I love that hammock. So I throw it up over my hammock and uh, it's money. Anywho. The yeah. ability that our mind has to tell us that that bear or mountain lion is going to do anything different at night than it would do to us during the day <laughs> is phenomenal, yeah. man. It's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like even even here in the Midwest, when I'm walking in in the dark, uh, I look over my shoulder because, you know, sometimes you'll catch on trail cameras, which I don't run anymore. But sometimes you catch I used to catch on trail cameras, random pit bulls or uh, German shepherd. The one time there was this black lab mix. that was giant. And he kept showing up on my cameras at night. And I thought, man, I hate to run into this dog at night. You know, you don't know if they're friendly or what, but, and then you start hearing coyotes howling and you're saying, Oh, that's eerie. I mean, I know in my mind, they're not going to hurt me, but I'm like, what if there's a hundred of them? <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Like it just goes through your mind. Your mind plays a lot of games with, oh, you know, yeah. but, Things that go bump in the night. My buddy Caesar went to Colorado with us and he's a, he's a new hunter, right? And this is his first, uh -huh. been shooting archery for a few years and this is his first season out. And Oh man, you want to talk about, you want to talk about turmoil. Like, I mean, this, the poor guy was <laughs> just all over with the things that go bump in the night, you know, walk in the woods alone or, you know, even during the day, uh, just those unknowns, right? That weird thought thing. Um, that yeah. goes on, you know, and it's just like, bro, it's, it's gonna a huge battle. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, there ain't, you know, there ain't stopping it in the right. daytime versus the nighttime. At least at night, you yep. don't see it coming. <laughs> That's it. That's it. You know, oh, I watched that video that you had of him and his reaction. Oh, that was that awesome. he saw of what he just accomplished was probably the best video to date that I've seen. Like, that was. That was awesome. I wish I would have pulled out the dang camera 
of the phone sooner. Right. And I'm so, it's so hard for me to, you know, to you're focused on living that. Right. And, and to think, Oh, the camera, Oh, this, you know what I mean? It just, but dude, you want to talk about a freaking moment when he turned back and realized (laughs) what he had done. Oh man. I was choked up. Drew was choked up. Caesar. I mean, he was, you can't see it in the film, dude, but his, he was like drenched. (laughs) He was dripping tears, dude. It was amazing. Such an amazing experience. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. And, but that's, that is, that is the stuff that makes all of it worth it in my head. Right. Is those type of moments, whether you're with guys, whether you're by yourself, you know, looking at something and, and facing that fear or that uncertainty of what, you know, is, is in front of you. And and for him, he didn't even know, dude. I was like, hey, you know, the wind was playing all funky, so he had to go around. Um, and we were like, when you look back in that video and you see the sheer cliff face and there's a notch in it, we were actually down in that notch. And uh, he had no idea. And he was like, wait a minute. I was, and I had to take a deuce. So I actually deuced in that notch. And I'm like, hey, remember where where I copped the squat? And he was like, yeah, I go, that was right there. And he was like, huh? (laughs) And it was just, it was absolutely amazing to be there for not even your experience. And I think it's more powerful to witness someone else's and to be a part of that. Yeah. Especially if you're, you know, if you are, I don't, I don't want to sound bad. If you're helping them along, if you are, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just amazing dude, to share in that with someone else, to see the light come on. Um, and that was one of the things that we talked about quite a few times. And I told him, I go, dude, after this, I, I said, I swear to you, you're going to go home and nothing's going to be the same. You'll value things more. And then there's going to be stuff that you'll wonder why you ever even held value to them. And, and I, yeah. when we got back, when I got back, because they came back quite earlier than me, but when I got back, he told me, he goes, nothing, nothing is the same. Everything is, it seems very vanilla, but you were right. Like, I don't, I'm looking at everything through a different lens. And it was just, it was amazing, bro. That's, that's kind of the experience I had coming back after the first hunt, you know, because seeing those mountains for the first time and getting into, getting into country that is so big, it's just, it immediately puts you, I guess, for lack of better words, puts you in your place. You know, it, it makes you realize how minuscule your life is. Like, for me, the I mean, I've seen some of the eastern mountain ranges and, you know, Tennessee and uh, just several of the states out east and there's still big ranges, right? Com- comparatively to what we have here. Um, but I'm telling you coming up on those mountains, I was probably 50 to 80 miles, something like that out. And I thought it was a cloud line. And the closer I got, I realized they were mountains. I'm like, Oh my God. Like what, 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 am, what am I doing? <laughs> it, it instantly hit me. Like, I, I don't know that this is, that I'm prepared, you know, at, at first, but then after going through it, I, I there was just it teaches you something. Like I don't know, like you said, it changes you. You come back and things that you thought were a huge matter just don't matter. You know what always strikes me is, you, you know, you get on like that cliff face we were on, or you get up on top of a ridge or a peak, and you look and you're like, oh, we need to be over there. 
you know, and you look at it and it's like, okay, as you're looking at it, you're like, okay, it's like, you know, a mile as a crow flies. And then you start it after it and you're going, damn, that was a bad idea. <laughs> the onyx or base map or the paper maps come out and you're like, what, where was I? Was I always there? Oh man. It just, and especially when you're doing the e-scouting thing. Yeah. Oh so man. You, that's my only option. Right. So I'm on the maps this year. And I mean, I had over 200 waypoints in just the one unit. And I had that unit broken down to what I thought was, I knew it by heart, right? Well, you start walking and you realize it looks nothing like you thought it did. And like you said, you start walking, I go, that's only four miles. So we'll hit that by noon. And we'll go. (laughs) (laughs) Some of that stuff. And it takes you two hours just to get out of it. And you're like, well, this was a dumb idea. (laughs) Somebody should have been here and stopped and looked at this and said, no, this probably, we should probably not do this. But everyone's like, no, okay, let's go. Let's roll. (laughs) I, you know, and again, you look at it, man, and you go, okay. And you know, what was funny is it really clicked this year because we were in the same spot last year on that. I love that cliff, dude. I mean, it's like, there's, there's literally an outcropping. It's like some Simba type mess you know, where he's holding the, holding the cub up. I mean, there's literally an outcropping like that there. And the sunrise is phenomenal. And last year it was, I was awestruck. So we're standing out there. We're just, you know, admiring it and looking across the country and there's elk prints all the way out on that outcropping. So it, to me, it has this allure about it, this majesty, like, you know, there was a bull bugling off the top of this SOB. So I have to go to that spot and uh, I'm kind of losing track of what the hell my freaking point was. <laughs> oh, but, but That's what I was talking about. It dawned on me and I'm looking at I'm looking across the country. Right. And I know that area, like you said, with all the e-scouting, you know, a scouting trip here and there and then spending last season there. Um, I'm looking across the country and I'm going, no, I don't feel like that today. And, I, you know, you may you scan a little more. Ah, that looks a little better today. And some of that country, man, I mean, it is, especially when you're looking at contours on a map, if you don't understand them, um, you can, you can actually put yourself in a position that you weren't prepared for, um, not understanding what that country is doing there. I mean, you, you, I look before I leap most times, but I mean, you really have to err on the side of caution because you could, you could land yourself somewhere where you, uh, where you're going to regret. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I know that all too well. And this year we didn't run into that issue. Um, we had kind of a, gr- a little better grasp than we have, but one night we came out and we thought judging by the topo lines, that it was a very easy, um, gradual drop to this trail. And it was the only spot that really looked like we could get off this mountain. So we start heading that way and I almost stepped off the cliff. Like it, it just, it wasn't a gradual, it was a giant void. <laughs> so I don't know if they, they missed some, some lines or what, I don't know what happened, but it went from, you know, wide gaps there in the top of lines. And then I pulled, so I like to keep base map and Onyx on my phone. 
and I like to cross compare everywhere because after my first year of getting, you know, screwed and put in a situation that almost caused us to have to push the SOS button, I said, no, we're, we're going to run multiple that way I can cross reference it. And both of them looked the same. And I was like, well, we're going to run it. This looks good. And it ended up not being, but that was the only, that was the only questionable. We ended up getting out. It just took us a lot longer than what expected. So I deal with that on a day-to-day basis, right? Is reading plans. But one of the things that, that I like to take with me is like a shaded relief map um, versus the contour, because you can see, you can see that vertical change. Whereas on a contour map, you know, that, that, you know, 10,000 line may end and then you're looking at the next line and it's, you know, 9,800. Well, it doesn't show you that face. They're just, you know, cause it's sheer vertical. So the shaded yeah. relief, you can get the shaded relief with the contours um, as well as the shaded. The contours are a lot less um, in terms of their spacing on there, but you know, you can get with both, but the shaded relief is huge in that aspect. And, you know, I think one of those, I can't remember which one. I think one of the mapping systems have that, have the shading, but it's not as prominent. And, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it ended up being okay. We ended up getting out and it uh, worked in our favor, but because we ended up finding a better way through for the next day. But how did the, how did the weather treat you guys? Were you there when that storm hit? <sighs> that was our first night and we, we were spiked out that night despite what my camp partner he's like well i don't know it'd be a good night to do it i said oh we'll be fine we got because we day one we were missing a one of our party he was flying in the day after we got there so we were going to hunt that night in the morning and then go get him and i said well, why don't we just spike out for the night we'll hunt till dark set up camp and then we'll hunt the morning and come back so they were like hey, okay fine let's just do it well the problem was we got too far in to hunt the next morning because it took all day it took i mean he was three hours late picking him up from the airport and you know it's not like what we have like chicago land midway o'hare airports it's like three planes flying here a day type airport. <laughs> so, so he said, oh, the airport closed like two, two or three hours before you guys got there. In fact, the janitor kept asking me if I needed a ride. <laughs> I said, well, I'm sorry, man. I said, we, you know, on the way back, um, coming in the snow, we, we got in some steep country, but, you know, we found a bunch of fresh wallows and things. And actually they were real close to the road, which was crazy. You know, they weren't, two miles, three miles, four miles. It was in some of the steepest terrain there in, in probably the most downfalls and deadfalls and, and blowdowns there was in a small 300 acre, 400 acre stretch. But there was quite a few walls in there and we ended up stumbling across those, but the hunters that piled in for muzzleloader, it was insane. So that was the first day muzzler started on saturday that was thursday friday we hunted and the influx of people was just i mean it's undescribable like there was tons of people that came in and uh part of it was wildfires um a lot of 
a lot of guys that had drawn tags returned their tags, bought OTC tags, and then their OTC units burned. And then so everybody came to our unit and the two adjoining units. So it was uh, it was quite the challenge. Yeah, we experienced the same thing. I mean that the unit that we're hunting, the the muzzle loader tags are are very limited, which is nice. Uh, but the bear hunters, I mean, it was wow, it was unbelievable with bear hunters, man. Um, huh. I mean, unbelievable. Every everywhere you turn, there's a guy hunting bears, and that unit. Um, from what talking to a guy, that unit was very popular for bears until I think they said twelve years ago there was a fire, pretty much you know, did away with them in that area, burned real bad, but they're, uh, they're there, they're heavy. So you know everybody made that comeback. One, one thing I did see that really, <clears throat> really struck a nerve is the amount of carelessness. I, there are fire ban signs everywhere. And just about every turn we took coming down the road, somebody had a fire going in the evenings when we were coming back out to camp. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's negligence. I don't know if they honestly didn't know the one camp I went to and I said, Hey, you guys, you know, it's you're not, there's a fire ban going. I don't want you guys to get fine. You know, I, I approached it that way. Like, I don't want, I don't want them to come out here and hit you with a few thousand dollar fine, <clears throat> you know, but there's a fire ban going on right now. If they catch you, it's going to be, you guys are going to be in big trouble. And they're like, Oh, you know, we didn't know. We're sorry. You know, I said, well, you don't have to apologize to me. I'm not, you know, I'm not the law. I'm just letting you know here <laughs> so you don't get that way. But I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, here. I'm like, you know, it's everywhere. It, how scary has it been? The, the amount of fires, the, and it's across the, all the Western states were getting hammered at the time. In fact, the smoke was so thick, like you couldn't even glass basins because couldn't you couldn't see. see in them. Yeah, couldn't see. Yeah, it was, uh, we actually were very fortunate. So we were due south of that Grand Junction fire, but the winds uh, kept it at bay for probably five or six days. And then that, you know, they had that storm rolling in from Canada. And when that wind started coming in, dude, the, we woke up, I woke up and I was sleeping in my hammock, everybody else sleeping in tents. And I woke up and I was like, what in the world? Um, you couldn't breathe. Do we try to hunt that day? And at the top of our lungs, I mean, they were on fire from that smoke. Um, and it, it actually killed, it killed the hunt because we were in elk every day up to that. And once that smoke hit, I mean, we, I, I'm going to say you could see maybe 200 yards. Uh, and it was just <laughs> devoid of animals at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the storms hit. <laughs> we got all excited. Like, yeah, we're back at it tomorrow. That night, it was like nine, ten o'clock. Wind switched. <laughs> smoke. You could see the stars again and uh, woke up at probably three in the morning. And uh, I'm like, what the heck? You know, what's going on? And uh, getting snowed on in the middle of the night. And it was like, oh, shit. Um, that that next four days was rough on that plateau with that weather. We were we actually got stuck in there. We couldn't get out. And then we finally sacked up and said, all right, we're just going to go for it. Um, try and get out, drop to lower elevation. And uh, man, I want to say it took us, it takes us about an hour, hour and some change maybe to get back in there. And it probably took us three and a half hours to get out. And it was just creeping. Like for me, you know, I got my Jeep, so it's not that big of a deal, but my, you know, my buddy's truck and then guys trying to get out in two wheel drive vehicles 
you know, make it up so far, yeah. slipping and sliding, just tearing the road to pieces, man. Yeah. And, you know, it's single track. So as we're going up, not knowing that they're, you know, they've made it, you know, two miles and turned around and then we're hitting them midway in our journey. So now we're trying to figure out how the heck are we going to, where do we back down to get out of the way? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. it was a trip, man. It was, yeah, it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking on some parts of that road, right? Cause it's off camera. It's towards the cliff. It's not nasty because they've chewed the road up with four cars Yeah, and, and you're trying to make your way past it. Um, and then to, to watch people, I mean, dude, they start moving, you know, sliding or something and they're stepping on the brakes and it's like, dude, what do you, you know what I mean? What are you doing? You're, you're, you're pulling yourself right to it. And it, oh, it was, yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, we were, we were right in the middle of five separate fires that were directly around. It's almost like we had the Cameron Peak fire 40 to 50 miles to our east, which was, I think was predominantly what we were catching the smoke from because that's the direction the wind was coming from. But we had, there were four other fires on top of it. And I mean, it was in every direction. So we were concerned beforehand. And it's funny, he pulled a buddy of mine and said, Hey, did you see the one that started right below us? And I said, no. So I pulled up that day. It was like two days before we were getting ready to leave. And base map had a glitch and it put that flame right dead in the middle of my waypoints. And I said, just south of us, it is right in the effing middle of my waypoints. I go, what the hell are we going to do now? You know, you spend all summer just picking apart this unit. Now, two days before, you got to call, call an audible. But ended up being just a glitch in the mapping, and we were good to go. I mean, that caused, and that caused you to run back and get everything thrown in and boogie on out of there. I've mean, been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that? What, since we're on that topic, what does that look like? Right. For, for a guy that's, you know, back East to come out West every year. What, what does that look like? What does that entail? Cause you can hear a lot of guys, man, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. And I'm like, and, and my response is always then just F and do it. Right. You're just going to regret not way. doing it. You know, you just got to go do well, it. I read a book and I wish to God I could remember the name of it because I throw him a shout out right now. But he's got an ebook too. And it was, uh, he was a biologist in Colorado. <clears throat> but when his journey started, he decided he was going to go. And he was able to break it down to where it was going to cost him $1,400 total round trip. <laughs> That's everything from leaving his house to coming home, or maybe it's $1,200. And he said in the story, something that really caught me was his neighbor's like, man, after my third year going, my neighbor said, man, I, you're lucky. I wish I can go like you. And he thought, I'm not lucky. I'm the one eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch every day, packing lunches while you go to work and eat out and eat fast food and do this. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm paying you're paying seven to $10 a day, if not more on lunch. He said, that's your elk hunt. And so that right then and there, I thought, you know, he's got something here. And 
so I started reading this book and for getting more depth and he just went on and on about, you know, the logistics and, and getting there. So my first year, <coughs> it actually got cut. It got jumped up a year because I was supposed to go last year as my first year, but somebody's asked me to go. So I went, but <coughs> I packed my truck. I didn't have a trailer. I had a cooler, my hunting gear, threw it in the truck and I left. I slept in rest stops. So I didn't pay for a hotel room. Um, which is huge. That's two, four, maybe $600 right there. <coughs> so I slept in my truck, of course, with my pistol on the side, you're in these rest stops and shit. And you always hear about serial killers and all stuff. The lot shit. lizards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need a pistol for them. <laughs> so, Yes, yeah, I slept a few hours on the way there, hit it, and then same thing on the way back. So, and it was about four hundred bucks round trip, or four hundred bucks each way for fuel. My first year, and once it was all said and done, and now mind you, I stopped twice. I afforded myself the meal, the luxury of one meal stop on the way there. I packed a cooler with meal, with like, you know, peanut butter jelly, couple. Of bologna sandwiches whatever i could i threw in the cooler and uh so i didn't have to stop except to go to the bathroom and get gas and again i afforded myself one one stop for fast food on the way there and one stop for fast food on the way back because i figured i deserved it on the way out i needed something other than freeze-dried meals <clears throat> but total it cost me i think it was like 1400 bucks my first year so you know, for me growing up here, elk hunting was always for the rich man. And that's the way it's portrayed here. Like you're not going to ever elk hunt. And a lot of these guys don't even know it's possible. A lot of the guys feel like, man, I've always wanted to do that. It's never going to happen. You know, I can never afford 10,000, 8,000, 20,000, whatever. They're under the assumption. Most of the guys don't know that you can go to a state and walk into Walmart and just buy a tag. So, excuse me. So I try, you know, and I know a lot of guys, oh, there's so many hunters, but I try and promote to these guys like, hey, you can do this. If this is what you really want and you really want to try this, you know, this is what you need to do. Here's what I would consider. And then go from there. Like we know, number one, you got to have good boots and you got to have a good pack. The rest of the shit is honestly <clears throat> irrelevant. It really is. You can go budget on just about everything else. You might struggle a little more having to carry the extra weight. <clears throat> but if you just want to go hunt elk, get a good pack, get a good pair of boots. Your white tail camo is going to work fine. Yep. You can wear your synthetic Under Armour base layers or whatever you wear. It's going to stink after a couple. It's not like the Merino stuff. I found that out real quick. But it all works. It all works fine. If you've been hunting it for a year, for years, it's going to work. The only thing that I would other say that's probably a must is probably some packable rain gear, only because a lot of the stuff is loud and 
the way the weather changes, it's nice just to have something to throw out and put on that only weighs a few ounces. And honestly, I mean, when you talk about rain gear, I mean, on a budget, right? Um, you can get a good military type poncho that'll cover your pack and everything else for a few bucks. Most dudes, what I noticed is as soon as it starts raining, everybody's hunkered down. You know, you go by a yeah. camp and it's raining and man, you know, the lights are on as they say. Um, so you can get, yeah. you know, you can get by with a poncho, um, you know, to save on that money. But when you, when you talk about the finance, you know, you said 1400 bucks, that's only, even if you couldn't save every day, right. It's $7 a day for 200 days. Um, yeah. If you save $7 a day at every day of the year, you're talking right around 2,500 bucks. Um, man, you can do a couple of, you can get a couple tags on the 2,500 bucks and take care of gas. Um, and getting out I there. Think this year was fifteen hundred. I spent total. Now this year, I got a bear tag on top of it, <laughs> so that was the extra hundred bucks. But you know, we rent a U-Haul. We split it three ways. So we bought it. We bought a wall tent for base camp, and all three of us split it. We rented a U-Haul. The three of us split it. So when it's all said and done, it didn't cost a whole lot. You know. And if you're going solo, you don't need all that stuff. Get yourself a decent tent. I mean, or just get a regular Coleman tent or whatever you can get from a garage sale. My first, and I still run it, is a Coleman or a Eureka two-person backpacking tent. I found at a garage sale for 25 bucks. So, no, you know, and that, and honestly, I've had an ergo mat, mattress, like a sleeping pad. I got from five bucks from a garage sale. It was terrible sleep on. It was uncomfortable, but it was better than sleeping on the ground. And for five bucks. And you're so there. So don't be afraid to hit up garage sale. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's the biggest part of it. You are there. You are, you're not, you're not dreaming about being there. You're actually there. And I think part of, part of the issue, right? And, and this is just me, um, is social media. And I don't know that it's social media, but seeing like, you know, this guy uses this and this guy uses that and you have to have this and you have to have that. And you know what I mean? It just it gives it gives guys that don't know a perspective of these are necessities to go after this pursuit. Um, And then, you know, that's probably one of the reasons that they stay away from it. Like you're saying is they're going, man, I can't afford to go do that. Um, Yeah. But that's I mean, that's perfect to and the you know point. a lot of that fourteen hundred dollars is that elk tag if you just wanted to go out west i would suggest do an antelope hunt or do a mule deer hunt because you're going to be able to go out west spend some time in the mountains which is worth its weight in gold and and you'll still get the experience then you're not you're not all in at fifteen fourteen thirteen hundred dollars you're only spending eight hundred bucks and then you could decide if that's something that you're really into. So you're not going all out for the elk hunting. What's what? I don't even know what a deer tag cost in Colorado. I haven't even looked at them. I think, I think it's right around 450 okay, or something so like that. So it's about 50%. Oh, no. That's that's about 80% of elk tag, huh? Because elk is yeah, worth six, six seven, something. 675. Yeah. So, but yeah, get a bear tag and go hunt or get a. Cause you can do an antelope tag and then spend a hundred bucks for the extra tag for a bear. I think you could do that. I don't know if it's antelope, but I know you can do it for elk, you know, add a hundred dollar bear tag 
But if you go to somewhere like Idaho, it's even cheaper. I mean, elk tag's still expensive because that just went up. But, you know, the extra bear tag, I think, is ungodly cheap. And the wolf tags, same thing, are like 40 bucks a piece. Yeah, that one I'm interested in, man. That and mountain lion. The problem with mountain lion, I'd love to go hunt mountain lion. Problem is, I have been very intrigued by the cats, man. I hear that the mountain lion meat is phenomenal, and I, I want to try it. I just can't bring any parts back with me. Nothing. Oh, because state you can't cross state line in California. Yep, can't bring anything. No no meat, no skull, no hide, no nothing. Um, and yeah, I'm not gonna. As much as I want to do it, it's going to have to be when I leave this place because uh, I'm not risking, you know, risking my privilege or yeah. some charges. So what do you do if you kill elk? Huh? The elk is fine. I can what do you br- do? Elk, no issue. It's just mountain lion. They're banned. See, there was something where, so with me, I can't bring that. I can't bring an elk. It can't have any brain matter in it. Right, right. That's Things the same like here. That. Yeah, we can't have brain or spine matter. Um yeah. But as far as the meat and the skull, as long as it's devoid of that, we're good. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, that's more of a, a CWD thing than anything. Yeah. 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 And I think with the I think we're going to see that more and more as that uh, as that gains more traction throughout these herds, unfortunately. Um, you know, testing, mandatory testing, I think is going to be more predominant than it is right now. Right now, a lot of places is just voluntary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and something else that I want to throw out there, you know, if you're thinking about going, don't focus so much on how many hunters are going to be in that area. Because the trailhead that we hit this year that I got into elk the most was the busiest trailhead I've ever seen. There were probably 50 camps, trucks, trailers. I mean, it was insane. But if, if you're, if you're able to get some good e-scouting tips and you figure out how to go about breaking down the map, you can figure out where the elk are going or the deer or whatever you're hunting are going during that pressure. And you can hit those spots and get into elk or deer or whatever. So don't, don't try and bank everything on hunting pressure. And, you know, I've heard guys say, well, you know, well, if you go too far, you'll hit the outfitters. I'm okay with that. I'm not, number one, if you talk with the outfitters and say, I'm not, you know, not, hey, what are you guys seeing? But find out where they're going to be. Stay out of their hair. I realize it's public land, but let's be honest. Let's work with each other and not fight each other. And honestly, those outfitters have been hunting those mountains for years. They're probably putting minimal pressure on those elk. So. I wouldn't worry too much about them either, but yeah, I I hear a lot. Oh man. I just want to get away from all the hunters. Well, while I get that, I understand. Um, I've seen an abundance of people at trailheads and you get a mile in and you don't see anybody. So don't always rule, rule a spot out because the trailhead's got a few trucks. And we had our first, our first night in, we had a bull. I'm not gonna, dude. I don't even think he was 50 yards. I'll say 50 yards. I think he was closer than that. 50 yards from camp, 
uh, 10 yards off of the road, bugling and raking right in front of us. <laughs> and it was like, are you kidding me? You know, it was literally six o'clock at night, 12 hours before season opened. And it's like, son of a bitch, man. <laughs> but, you know, it, they, they're there. And and one of the main areas that we were hunting. So we, we base out and then if we need to spike, we will. Um, but right below where we base out. Oh, they, do they run? I mean, just back and forth travel corridor like crazy. And uh, it's literally. I'm going to say from the road to where the hill goes down, maybe, maybe 40 yards or so. And it's it's just loaded It's it's crazy. So, we you know, we hear all the and there's something there is something about you know, back country and we're driving far enough into where it could be considered, I guess. Um, yeah, but there is something about that experience. That's phenomenal, right? Where there's, you're not seeing folks, you're not hearing cars, things like that, but it's not absolutely necessary to get into these animals. Right. Right. So how does, how does that work, man? So for me, like I won't, if I'm deer hunting, um, here at home, I'll carry a pig tag. I'll carry a bear tag. Um, and that way I can choose whether or not I'm going to chase a pig or a bear on a, on a deer hunt. Right. Unless like this year I was, you know, after that specific buck, the pigs were everywhere. And I'm like, I'm not wasting my time on these pigs. But for me, when I go on an elk hunt, I don't want to, I don't want to have an opportunity at any other animal. Um, so I won't get a bear tag. I won't get a deer tag. How does, how does that work for you? For me, it's just, I just want to focus on the elk. I don't want to shoot a bear and take away from my elk hunt. Sure. And we didn't spend any time bear hunting. Um, last year, I mean, we got into bears consistently and not on purpose just happened. So I said, you know, if we get into bears this year, we can let an arrow fly. And yeah, it might take a day to pack out a bear and all that. You know what I mean? Like get them broke down, packed out, get them to camp, get it all set up and whatever. But the truth of the matter is I've never killed a bear. So I would be happy if I put an arrow on a bear, even though my main focus is elk hunting. I've, I've got a bull on the wall. And to me, so this year my focus was this I wasn't going to buy an elk tag I was just going to go and I was going to get the bear tag and I was going to try and get a mule deer tag well I missed the draw because I switched the dumb dates for the uh, leftover tags and I thought it was on the Thursday that was on the Tuesday and I'm halfway through the day. I'm seeing all these posts. Oh, did anybody get their tag? I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Oh, the leftover draw was today. I was like, oh. So by the time I figured it out, I couldn't get a deer tag. But with four guys in camp, realistically, it would be tough to fill all four tags. So, I mean, let's face it, it'd probably be tough to fill half tags. So my thought was, you know, if we get into anything else, game on. And I was planning on, if I saw a cow, I'd shoot her too. I'm, I, I wasn't picky this year. I just, I wanted some meat for the freezer. And that was that. But 
you know, my goal this year as it was, was last year was to get my old man, his first bull. And, you know, last year we had a close call this year. We, we got into elk, but nothing, nothing in our face until the last day. And I wasn't even with him. We split up one of the e-scouting courses I took this year, which was super beneficial and really, I mean, just broke down. You want to talk about broke down, like this is a keyboard. <laughs> like, like it, it, It's for dummies. Right. And I'm glad because I'm, I mean, it's weird e-commerce business and I'm a computer idiot, but <laughs> so this course broken it down. Then in the middle of this course, he talks about his perfect elk spot and I had been, I've been eyeballing this place on this map all week and I couldn't get anybody to commit because of how it was to get there, how long terrain. And I, you know, halfway through the week, we had one of the USGS maps pulled up, laid out on the middle of the tent floor. And it's like midnight, everybody's asleep and I'm breaking down the map with the one buddy. He was, he was still awake. And <coughs> I'm like, dude, it's only four miles to that basin down the trail. I said, so, and then it's off the trail about a mile, but it's only four miles from the trailhead. So if they drop us off here and they hunt where they want to hunt, we can make it to them before noon easily. And then we can just pack out in the evening after we've hunted that whole basin. So on the last day, I finally, I called it. I said, I'm going there. And if anybody's with me, great. If not, I'm going solo. I'm not going to leave this week without going there because I don't want any regrets. I said, this is exactly what he was talking about is the best looking spot. So I'm going. So my buddy said, I'll go with you. So we hit the trail and the first two and a half miles of this trail were literally straight up. Like there's, there's no way around. It was straight up two and a half miles straight up. We get to the top. It's already daylight. We make it, get some cool pictures, get some mule deer come by. So it was really nice. But, you know, halfway up the mountain, I looked at him. I said, this is our last day. And I said, I'm tired of beating myself up. I'm tired of being disgruntled, angry, mad. Things aren't going the right way. You know, the weather hasn't been cooperative. We're not seeing, you know, I just don't care. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy myself and enjoy the day. He's like, absolutely. And then things just started falling into place. Um, we got into some really good elk sign. Um, we were seeing mule deer. We were seeing like in all week, we weren't getting any, any animals. I mean, we, we got into some cows early and, uh, we had a bull bugle and then we chased what we thought was a bull 2000 feet up the side of this mountain ended up being Doug Flutied <laughs> from a guy who was from Indiana. <laughs> guy was from Indiana, which was even more disheartening. Like, ah, oh, man, it wasn't even a guy that. And it was like his second ever elk hunt. I was so mad. <laughs> if looks could kill. And he come out of them bushes. I'm like, why did you keep going up? You had to know we were hunters. And he's like, oh, I thought you were an elk. I said, so you walked away from me? You thought I was an elk. So you walked away. He's like, honestly, I didn't even hear you guys. 
I was like, oh. So I said, I would have been happier if you guys would just got silent and just snuck out. But what's funny is we got into fresh wallow, and that's when we heard the bugle only a couple hundred yards from there. So we're like, all right, we're going. And then he bugles again. He's a friggin' 300 yards. And he bugles again, and he's, you know, but it didn't work out. So anyway, we packed into this basin, and this, as soon as we hit it, the guy I'm hunting was like, wow, this looks awesome. I'm like, yeah, I agree. And we get into this, we get into the dark timber on the north, north facing slope of this base. And, and it's just highways. It is fresh elk beds with fresh elk shit in them. It's it smells like elk urine, just smells elky. It just, everything about this whole mountainside just screams of elk. So, you know, we sat down, we had some lunch, we hunted it and, uh, just had a great time just picking the woods apart, how the trails were running, where they were coming from. We tied it in with a couple other trails that we'd seen a couple bridges over and started to map out how the elk were moving and because the elk weren't talking. So, you know, we started just breaking it down. Like we hunted the, yep. Just like we do the Midwest. So I said, well, we'll just hunt this way. And we're standing there talking right after lunch. And we're discussing what our next move is because we were having some GPS delays messaging back and forth. I was trying to figure out where my buddy was with my old man. And his message said, I don't know where he went. Well, apparently that was like from three days before. So I'm like, what? We got to pack out. He lost my dad. (laughs) My dad's like 70. I'm like, son of a bitch. And my dad has no GPS or anything on him. So... Then all of a sudden, the text came through. No, well, you know. So as we're standing there, we're making a plan of we should drop down for the evening or make our way back to them. And I hear this crash. And he goes, and he looks at my buddy, looks at me, and goes, We just spooked elk. And he said, What? I said, We just spooked elk out of here. And it's getting louder. I said, They're coming this way. Mind you, his bow is on his pack, strapped to his pack. So I'm unbuckling his pack. He's dropping his pack. He gets an arrow knocked and a cow is now standing maybe, maybe five, six yards from us. And we're on this trail in the wide open. It's like a game trail. And there was a little spruce in between us. And she is standing there looking right through it, right at me. And behind her is a cow. And behind her at like 15 yards is a bull. But I can only see him. He's between two pine trees. And I can't tell what he is. I just know he's a bull by his coloration, his color configuration. And he's standing there, and my buddy's at full draw at this point, which seemed like 10 minutes, but 15 seconds. Probably, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Maybe. So this, the first cow takes off, the second cow takes off. And he's standing there still at full draw, and I'm like, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. And the bull turns and runs dead down uh, down the side of the mountain to cut the cows off, and it's a five-by-five. Five. I was like, shit. And I hear crash, and I look down the side, and about 40 yards, another bull is standing there. And it's the same damn scenario. I can't see his head. I got my binoculars, and he's looking right at me because I just blown a cow call. 
when that bull took off thinking I could get him to at least stop. And I barked at him and I made a little call call and he he just kept going. He had the cows in his mind. He wasn't going anywhere. But that little bull standing there looking at me, but I couldn't see his antlers. I could only see like just below his chin and I could tell he's looking our direction. Well, then a squirrel started barking. So when he turned his head, I pulled up my binoculars. I still couldn't see antlers. And I was like, and <coughs> my buddy let up on his bow and he couldn't see the bull. So he's like, you think if I step over there, I get a shot? I go, you can step over there and see if you can get a look. And at that time, the little bull turned and it was a little four by four. And he ran down the hill and followed him out. But at that point, my, my buddy's like, that was awesome. You know, like that was, that was awesome. And he said, I can't believe how loud they are. I go, I've been telling you all week, they're not quiet. I'm like, they, they can sneak up on you, but for the most part, they're not quiet coming through the woods, especially if they're running. Especially if there's a few of them. I, you know, we're sitting there having lunch one day and uh, you can just hear it. It's like, the hell's going on here, you know? And uh, man, that's what, what's amazing to me, though, with them is, and it's kind of like a, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, big as a house, quiet as a mouse type thing. Cause you get the solo yeah. animal and you're walking, you look to your left, there's nothing. You look to your right and there's nothing. You look back to your left and you're like, Oh shit, where'd you come from? You know, it's <laughs> 15, 20 yards yeah. away from you, you know, walking right next to you and you're going, what in the hell? Yeah. Yeah. There's some pretty awesome animals. And he was, you know, he had been complaining after we got Doug Flutie, he questioned everything that happened all week. Like, yo, that bull was bugling. That was just another hunter. Like, he was just, he was disgruntled, angry. He was just, he was done. He's like, this is dumb. This sucks. Well, you know, throughout the day hunting, he didn't say much. He, he usually, he's not a complainer. But after being Doug Flutie, he, uh, he he changed his tune a little bit. It 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 definitely weighs on your spirit, and that's what's nice about those moments. Like you know, like you're saying, and for me, it's a wake up for me. Um, you know, when someone else gets that, you know, that moment, like, oh, that was awesome. It, it usually will smack me in my face and get me away from that frustration and that angst and that pressure we put on the, ourselves. Um, you know, trying to notch that freaking tag it really, it really turned things around for me. Like at that point, I didn't care what happened. The elk were gone, but you know, we, we ended up dropping down the metal and watching the metal for the evening. And we heard some guys calling all around us and they sounded terrible, <clears throat> but we get back together. We're hiking out. And, and I was talking with him. I said, you know what? I said, I know it wasn't like this bang up elk in your face, crazy elk everywhere action. He said, but I said, but this is public land and you may only get an opportunity or two. And I said, I feel like, you know, we've accomplished what we came here to do. We didn't punch the tag, but we had elk within a 20 yard circle. And I said, that, that's huge for me. I said, so I, I don't know how you feel about this. He goes, no. He said, you know what? This was awesome. He goes this whole week, ups and downs, everything about it. I loved it all. <laughs> So that really felt good, you know? Yeah. And, and you've, you've said a couple of things like, you know, along that storyline there, you know, you didn't want to have any regrets and that's huge, man, is when you walk away from the season, damn it, I should have, I should have went that extra mile or I should have went over there. But, and I think we're on the same, 
we're on the same time frame as as far as being elk hunters um and i'm sure you'll agree that when you when you don't live around elk and you can't scout them and you have to e-scout or like for me i'll you know try and make that random one day two day turnaround trip to go you know look at an area whatever you can and in in a weekend's time um but when you're when you get out there and you're able to see that effort that you put in in the off season pay off and just be amongst them and choose the right area and make a play that gets you, you know, that shot, maybe not the shot opportunity, but, you know, the guy at full draw or you're at full draw, all those little pickups through the season. That's what really, really satisfied me um, with elk season this year was I did this right and I did that right. And I knew this and I knew that. And it was just like, go, you know, more more tools in that tool bag for next season, man. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, one thing I've really, it really opens, you really opened my eyes that I'm in the grand scheme of things. I know nothing about elk hunting. Now, yes, I have a grasp on that. The fact that elk spend their entire life surviving and that's it they spend their entire life based on survival. So for you who lives for somebody, any person to come from the comforts of their home and a lifestyle of which most of us have, because that's how we live, you know, a home, a roof, a bed, a grocery store. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so for us to step into that element and become wild and, and, and try to chase wild animals in their element, we have to realize we're in their house, period, the end. We are learning. We are the whole time. You should be taking in everything because honestly, they know the game a lot better than we do. (laughs) So I've been saying that a couple of years now, right? Is, uh, you know, you we, we go in with a playbook, right? And and you know, you you listen to to Michael over at ECA, um, you know, Joe and the guys over at Elk Bros, whatever it is you're consuming to gain this knowledge, and you come up with this playbook, right? Some of us will punch it in our phone so we have it at hand. Um most of it's memorized because we're obsessing, but they don't have the same freaking playbook. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work out right. the same way, right? And and I think like my first, um, my second season, that was part of the frustration. Is like, well, I'm doing all this stuff, right? I'm doing all the stuff that these, you know, air quote killers, these guys with this this wealth of knowledge and experience, say I should be doing. Um, am I just that bad? You know, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, this calling sequence, that calling sequence, Paul Medell, what the hell, man? You said to, you know, slow play them and splash in mud. I got mud and shit dripping all yeah. over me. They don't know the game plan. <laughs> Elk urine and dripping off your hands. Oh, like what the man. hell's going on? But, but they don't know the game plan. And, and I think that realization, and it sounds, it, it almost sounds like, yeah, no shit. They don't know the game plan, but you don't realize it when you're in the heat of the moment. And that frustration 
and not realizing that pulls you out of the game so far in that pursuit that it it just makes it worse on you, you know, because now you're throwing you're combining all this. It just yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I just think we yeah. need to have the realization that if we're if that we're making these steps and we're progressing, we have to realize that it's progress. Um, and like, and just going back to your point, it's not an easy pursuit. Not only do they spend their lives surviving, this is eons of evolution and survival that this creature has that's in its DNA at this point to avoid predation. Yep. Yep. And you know, something this year that really opened my eyes as well is the whole calling thing. In a perfect world, you bugle, a a bull answers, you talk to him, he responds, you cut him off, he gets pissed, he runs in, you shoot him, right? In a perfect setup, that will work. But I have yet to experience a perfect, you know, it's just like you watch turkey hunting on TV, these guys walk up, they call, the turkey comes running in, boom, you shoot. It's not that easy it doesn't work like that at least 85 percent of the time it doesn't work like that so i would think more so with elk public land higher pressure a lot of them bulls they're quiet they're not talking to get them to talk is going to take the right situation or you know quite frankly the right calling sequence the right time you know it's just so much that comes into it and then after so long, like the first week I was there, you know, one bull bugled and I'm telling you, he bugled twice and never said another word. And that was what we had from the time we got there until the time that we had them elk at 15 yards. There was no vocalizations there was no i mean the elk that we spotted and the elk that we got into we got into a big group of cows the second day and they were talking amongst each other but we didn't hear them until they were about 50 yards from us talking with each other then they moved on and but the bulls i mean there was nothing at one day in fact we got into this new area we, we drove two hours in the morning got got in this area that we hadn't been to yet and we hiked in probably six or seven miles in the morning. And it was probably around noon. And it was like a desert. It's like animals hadn't been there in maybe a month. All the elk scat was white and dried up. Mule deer scat, same thing. There was no water. The water that we did find was a giant lake that had turned to like a pond. And there was zero animal tracks around it. Zero. And I'm six or seven miles in. So finally I said, I'm leaving. He said, what? I said, I'm going back to camp. He said, what? I said, I'm going back. I'm done. I've had enough. They're not here. We're wasting our time. I'm not going to hike another three miles for nothing. Let's go. And this was a unit. This was the area of the unit. These trails, they can use ATV. So who knows how far they could have pushed those elk back. And I said, with us being on foot, I think we're spinning our wheels. So we went back to the truck and it was an all day adventure. And on our way out, one guy said, you know, he's talking with us. said, I've not seen this many people in over 15 years here. I said, yeah, I said, fires. He goes, but 
wait, where did you say you were? And I said it again. He goes, you made it there. He said, I've never seen backpackers back there. I said, well, it was quite the task getting through that beetle kill and that blowdown. He goes, yeah. He said, if you'd went another two miles, you could have got right around that and you'd never had to deal with it. I was like, where were you six hours ago? <laughs> but, you know, you learn, I guess. And it was, it was quite defeating all week. But though, when those things don't play out the way that they're supposed to, it really weighs on you. And then it comes to a point where it weighs on you so much that you end up throwing everything out and just winging it. And that's usually when you find, you know, you start getting into animals is when you stop trying to do what you think the elk are supposed to do and just, and just follow your instincts and just hunt. Because the bottom line is, is there's no playbook. It is, you'll find the elk where they are when they're doing their thing and if you're lucky enough to be in that, their presence, boom. Yeah. And, and Tony Winthrop, uh, he, I, and in my head, he has the best saying for it, right? Just elk it. And that, you know, when I talk to him, yeah, that's Tony's deal. Like, Hey man, if, if the stuff's not working, you just elk it, you know? Um, and, and for me, you know, I didn't have that little couple little words, Last year and this year, man, I just kept telling myself that over and over and over and over and over, you know, just elk it, just elk it, just elk it. And it, you know, it didn't totally pan out uh, in the sense of, you know, the freezer's full of elk, um, but it did pan out in terms of I got closer. I was able to do things that I didn't do the year prior. Um, and that, I mean, it's just huge, man. But one of the things I noticed um, when you got back and it probably took a minute, right. Is, is that hindsight being 2020, 2020, but the, a couple of your posts and the value of the hunt and the experience, the, the part that in my head, we miss a lot, or maybe I shouldn't say we miss it. We don't expose. Um, and it seemed like you had a, a, a bunch of valuable, takeaway from the experience and that frustration um, and those setbacks? Yeah. You know, this year was, like I said before, it was just, it was such a huge eye opener. I, 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 I was hard on myself this year, harder than I have, I have been in the past. And I beat myself up a lot mentally, even whitetail hunting. You know, there's times I'm hunting in January still with a bow in my hand, negative 20. And all my friends are tagged out. I'm the last guy hunting out of, you know, out of everybody I know that's hunting, still trying to punch my first tag because there's some stupid reason that I feel that I need to shoot this calp. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to be satisfied unless I kill this dude. I was really coming down on myself hard this year real bad because the demeanor in camp was really low with the other guys and i really felt like going into it i was going to be able to just show these guys the best time ever right instead of wait a minute taking back and saying how do i know just because they're grumpy doesn't mean they're not having a great time a but b why am i valuing this hunt 
based on their field techs. Why am I, why am I really coming down on myself based on a very small portion of this fraction? And not only that, why did I set my expectations so high? Unrealistic, like unrealistic expectations. Let's face it between the four of us, two have hunted elk once before I had hunted elk twice before. The other guys never stepped foot in the elk woods. Now, mind you, that other guy is a, he's been my best friend and deer hunting with me since I was 10 years old is when he started hunting with me. But not only that, he is a human tracker for his job. Like he's got, he trains bloodhounds for <clears throat> Chinese military, Switzerland military, Swiss military dogs, you know, Narsoc for the army special ranges bullshit like he trains these tracking dogs for these elite tracking dogs all over the world so the guy's got a really good survival sense and a really good sense of reading maps and reading terrain you know what i'm saying so we, in my mind i'm like oh we're gonna we got this i got the bloodhound <laughs> yeah we got we got four tags punched this you know what i'm saying like <clears throat> So when I came back, I was really even halfway home. You know, I was listening to him gripe and whine in the car, and I'm like, Ugh. and it was weighing heavy on me. Like I failed, you know, like I I failed these guys. And when I got back home, it hit me. Like, how can I expect? to fill four guys elk tags in camp with three years of hunting elk experience. When there are guys who hunt elk every year for the last 20 years and may kill a bull every three or four years. But again, it, it really, it really opened up my eyes in, in the fact that, you know, these elk, spend their life surviving and, and, and staying alive. And who am I to think that I can just walk out of my heated home, jump in my heated truck, drive to their home and outsmart them and kill them with limited knowledge that somebody else tells me about because my knowledge of them is, is very limited, you know, out of those three, three hunts that I've hunted them. Maybe I've had elk contact, maybe a total of four times. <clears throat> so that was probably the biggest takeaway that opened my eyes like hey dummy what are you doing calm down you had fun you know you spent time in the mountains with your friends and your dad and so so there, I'm going to jump back on a couple things. And, and again, that is where, you know, not to say that we don't value it, but we don't, we don't show those parts of it enough. And like, you know, like going back to it, when I read that post, I was like, hell yeah, Dupu got his ass kicked and walked away with something from it. You know what I mean? I love that, man. And, and, you know, part of my experience, and I think it hinders me to a point, um, and I, and I'm going to try and check myself on it a little bit because like you were saying, you know, you, you, you have that one deer 
or that one caliber that you're looking for. And I think there's absolute value in that, right? I think there's there's value in saying, I'm not shooting lesser than that, right? If there's something sure. better, yeah. I, I may, but that's the deer I want right there. And you should have that. I feel every hunter should, whether it's, I'm, I want to shoot a six pointer because last year I killed a, a two by two or, or, you know what I mean? There should be some goal, something that, so when you accomplish it, you say, yeah, look what I did. You know what I mean? Like you've got that, that gratification. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just to, I don't want guys to beat us up, but yeah, if you're, if you're looking just to fill the freezer, then, you know, that's your pursuit. That's your pursuit. Absolutely. But a lot of people will Absolutely. look down upon, you know, chasing that specific animal. For me in Colorado this year, it was like, you know, I want a big five or better, um, kind of a foolish thing. Um, you know, when, when most folks will look at it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to arrow an animal that doesn't fire me up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to kill just to kill. I want to be trembling beyond excited respirations increased. Like, Holy crap, this is him. And you know, we had we had rags. I put my buddy on a rag, and I, he was like, "Why the hell did you pass on a rag?" Right? You know, you got to get your bull. And I'm like, "Yeah, but that bull has a standard, and maybe that standard is from my Y.O. bull, um, because that's what yeah. you know what I mean. That is my that was my first experience. That you know, whatever, blah blah blah. You know the story. Um, but that is yeah. the standard. That or better. I, I that's just my pursuit. Um, but I think there's huge value in setting a standard for yourself and being okay with walking away empty handed. I mean, it at, you know, and guys will say, oh, that's crazy. You spent, you know, that $1,400, you save $7 a day for 200 days, whatever. But there's, there's huge value in that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a little over five years not punching a tag in the Whitetail Woods because I was after some caliber. And I'm going to be honest with you, and somebody's probably going to hate me for this. I blame it on trail cameras because I got a trail cam picture and a trail cam video of an absolute toad of a whitetail. And this deer, he would have scored over 200 inches, I'm sure. And that was the only deer I wanted to kill. I passed on a 160 inch 10 pointer. I passed, you know, I, I was letting deer walk that most people would probably punch me in the face for. And I knew what deer I wanted to kill. And I know, and, the, and here's, the, here's the difference though. So with me, I can't hunt all the time. So it's not like I could spend two weeks nonstop going out hunting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have that luxury. That time I set aside for, you know, well now elk hunting. But so normally I'm hunting two days here and then I'm off. I got to work for four or five days. Then I, then I hunt two days. So for the average Joe who just hunts a weekend here and there, it's pretty difficult to pick out a single buck and kill that buck. And that was what my mindset was. And the more every year I pull these trail cam cards and every year I'd get a deer in mind, if not the same deer, and I wouldn't settle five years goes by and I'm starting to regret it and I'm starting to regret hunting. And I'm starting to hate hunting. Like I literally got to a point where I was like, why am I doing this? This is, this sucks. I hate hunting. I'd be miserable. I'd be driving home. Like this is so, what am I doing? 
I'm just going to sell my shit. I'm done. I don't want to hunt anymore. You know, cause you see these guys on TV. Oh yeah. Hey, we got a, we got a picture of Bucky. Uh, this deer is blah, blah, blah. He showed up last night at trail camera. I know it was at midnight, but if I can get in there, he makes a mistake. And then he, they go in there and they kill him. So they put this pressure, added pressure on you. And when not, and you, and when you know, you have a very solid grasp on whitetail behavior and how they, you know, and you're not able to draw a punch or tag. It puts you in a position like you start questioning who you are. Like, you, and then I was to a point where I just hated it. So I called a buddy of mine and I, you know, he had killed a deer early. He killed a small buck. Right. But he was happy, happy as can be. And he said, you know what? He said, when you go out tomorrow, kill the first deer you see, just kill it, whatever it is, just kill it. You know, you only got a week left of the season anyway. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I've spent, you know, at this point I've invested five years. (laughs) I don't want to settle now. I'm all in. Right. So we talked for about an hour and he's like, I'm telling you, kill a deer and just get that feeling back and see where it takes you. I don't know. So I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. I went in the woods and I watched this young two and a half year old eight pointer dogging this doe all over the place. And I said, you know what? If he gives me a shot, I'm going to shoot him. And he disappears, right? I'm like, of course. So it's getting about noon and I'm like, eh, I'm going to head back to the truck. I'm going to go eat something. I, you know, and I go to grab my pack and I turn to look and here he come walking right to me officer broadside shot i put it i drill him and it was like the weight of the world was off my shoulder like it felt so good and it immediately brought back all those good memories and feelings and and how you're supposed to feel when you shoot an animal and it was like what the hell have i been doing like how do how do i expect to you know, kill some pretty decent, I've killed quite a few decent bucks and then jump into the next caliber and expect it just to be this easy walk in the park. These deer don't make mistakes. And when they do, it's very, I mean, they do, but when they do, it's minimal and you better be there. So that was something that, you know, I really feel like you should, you should set goals, whether they're big or small, but also that was one of the reasons why I stopped using trail cameras and I don't use them anymore. I don't use them for Intel and to see where deer are moving. I don't use, I don't use them to see what kind of bucks I have. I, I just, they're in a bin. I don't use them anymore. And I'm not saying you can't have fun and enjoy it and still hunt and use them. But for me, it, it causes too much undue stress and I, I want to enjoy what I'm doing. So I've, I've just put them away. Yeah, that that's interesting, right? I've never even I, so I'll I'll set cams out, right? But I don't I don't set them out for the reason. I know if I'm in animals, right? And I'm not super particular, but I enjoy seeing you know watch. Oh, I put the camera in a wide spot, right? I got X deer, this deer, that deer, this deer. Um, but that's an interesting, I never even considered how that can send you in a tailspin focusing in on, you know, that, that one, you know, 200 inch buck and throwing it, uh, throwing it down the drain there. 
you, it's almost like you're taking inventory, right? Taking inventory of what your possibilities are. But you also have to take an effect that when a deer becomes, it's real simple. Deer one and a half is a six months, one and a half, they're babies. Two and a half, eh, they're starting to grow a little bit of antler length, but they're still babies. They have no maturity signs yet. When they hit that three and a half year old mark, they start getting some of their mature traits and they might be going through the motions. But a whitetail buck doesn't get mature until, doesn't his maturity until he's four and a half. And when, it, from the time that, and you'll hear a lot of guys talk, man, I had a really nice three and a half year old buck and he disappeared. I can't find him. He's not on the cameras. I don't know where he went. Two years later, he shows up and he's blown up. He's a six and a half year old deer and, and he's a monster. And now he's made mistakes and they kill him. There's something in that four and a half year, between a four and a half and a five and a half year mark where those deer just, they vanish. And maybe they go to another farm. I don't know, but there's something about that. You'll have a deer regular for two years, three years. And when they hit that four and a half year mark, they, they vanish. They just disappear. And it happens every year. Now, I don't know what the relevance is. I don't know. You know, I don't know the science behind it, but once they hit that maturity level, there's something that happens between that three and a half, four and a half that they just ghost. So when you get pictures of that, you start inventorying the deer that you have you have to understand that when you are trying to kill a buck who's five and a half years old, you, that's the elite. Like <laughs> your your percentage just dropped drastically, especially now let's say you're hunting out West. You've got big tracks of land. You could push here, there to find those deer, but you have to consider guys here. We're lucky if we've got 50 acres or a hundred acres of hunt. I have 200 acres to hunt, but there's only 30 acres of woods in three small woodlots. So I have to be careful when I walk in the woods, what, you know, what time of day is it? You know, certain times of year, I can't hunt mornings because I know at five, six o'clock in the morning, right before daylight, the deer are there already. I'm not doing any good by going in the woods and hunting in the morning because all I'm doing is push them out of there. And so the next guy down the road can kill them. So it's, it's, it is a, they can, the trail cameras can be a curse if you use them the wrong way. Yeah. I just like seeing the pictures. I think that's uh Keith Naylor spike bull. I mean, the dude hunts spikes, right. But uh -huh. he puts his cameras out and he's getting these big majestic bulls, um, yeah. you know, on his trail cams and, and it's just a fun thing, you know, and you know, to it is cool to see him. Um, but I mean, he's out hunting spikes and getting these big yeah. giants on there, man. Um, and you, well, that's like Ryan DC outfitters. That guy, he's a magician. <laughs> Let's face it. The, the bulls that he finds and he's able to track down, he does it with trail cameras. He legitimately uses trail cameras to pattern elk. Like we do to pattern whitetails out here. And he's got it down to a science and you know, what? just, that that man just following along with him fascinates me like the way he handles things i, I listened to him on a podcast before and he, it's very interesting how he used trail cameras in his favor yeah you know who else does that is uh james nash yeah he's yep. he's the same with those cams man and and those dudes just put it together but that's uh that's another endeavor though, right? I mean, that is, 
you're committing to something, <laughs> you know, two, three hundred. Yeah. Who knows how many cameras, you know, are, are getting right. thrown out. I mean, that is one hell of a commitment. And then to piece the puzzles together, um, you know, in each opportunity. And he's talking every 14th day, 14th to 16th day, they've made their loop from this base and this base and they're back here. Like, <laughs> I'm like, good God, the amount of hours. I mean, good for him. That's that is my ADD couldn't handle that. But that's what in my head, that's what Elko Duty is. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you got yeah. you got guys in the Whitetail Woods that are the same way. Um it just it, it's something about that obsession that this just uh it just grabs you, man. Just freaking grabs you and runs. Yeah. So I talked about a couple of posts. So the yeah, you posted one, I want to say it was last week, man. And um you know, essentially, uh, folks trying to cut folks off at the knees. Why don't you get into that a little bit? I'm sure I'll fire up a little. Uh, which which one? Here, I'll pull it up. You were just saying how funny it is that, you know, it, it seems like folks are always trying to cut each other off at the knees uh, instead of supporting. You know, yeah, see if you can find it. I, I, it irritates me that we are unable to just, I guess I don't know how to word this, but if, if this guy is happy whatever he's doing i don't care if he's shooting possums or if he's shooting giant muleys why is it that we feel it's necessary to belittle them or or to take away from them or like if the dude's happy or the woman that is happy who are we like what does it matter what does it matter what i think or anybody else thinks why why do you feel the need to push that off onto somebody else. Like if, if me, if I'm chasing a 200 inch deer because I'm absolutely obsessed and infatuated with it and I don't believe that you should be killing whatever. And then I open up my phone and somebody living his own life, doing his own thing has just done something that made him happy, like kill a spiked buck. Who the hell am I to judge him? Like, I, I just don't understand. I, and, you know, I notice if you look at these, the comments that are really, you know, digging or really making fun of people, it's always the younger generation. It's always that the younger guys that are like, I don't know if they feel like they got proofs. I don't know what it is, but it really, it really eats at me. But you you definitely hit the point, right? And it drives me crazy. And and that that the beauty of what we do, it, it's the same. It's the same pursuit ultimately, right? We're we're looking. A lot of us are looking for that thing out there, or that's where we find ourselves out there. Um, that's where we're whole. We're complete. Um, you know, from all the elements of it. The the judgment part of it. It, it baffles me, right? And and we've got in 
I actually posted tonight. We've we've gotten so petty with this divide, right? As if we can as if we can survive without the rest of our demographic. Um, you know, across across the nation, there's laws and more regulations and more stipulations and higher cost on what we do. And we're not busy fighting that the way we should be. We're busy picking on, you know, Derek DePew's $20 tent because he doesn't have a, a $500, $600, $700 shelter. Um, I, I don't, I don't understand where we made the left turn uh, in terms of, and I'm not saying that you have to agree with everyone, right? I am not saying that at all, but just like you said, if a guy is shooting a spike, then let the guy shoot a spike. If that's what is getting him excited. If I want to shoot a five or better because it's making me jitter, then why is that an issue? Or if I choose to walk away with an unpunched tag because I'm after a certain animal, that doesn't mean that one can't hunt. It just means that my experience in this is a little bit different than yours, but we're in the same freaking pursuit. We're, we're after the same thing. Ultimately, I just don't get the divides, man. When you posted that, I was like, freaking exact. I think I was driving and I saw it. Not that I text and drive or anything like that. And I was just, you know, and I yelled in there, freaking exact, you know, effing exactly. And it's just, it's so crazy. I found the post you're talking about. And it says your path is predetermined. And then remember the road to greatness is long and can be lonely. Surround yourself with great people who want to see succeed and ignore the noise. So it really got to me. That was I was really pissed off that day because I hear, you know, in in all aspects of this business and well, any business for that matter, in the world, um, guys can't guys can't be there for each other. It's a competition, right? It's like, Hey man. So for instance, there's a company who does similar things to what I do. You know, it's a subscription company. I'm not going to message. And it's not, it's not so much somebody in the Western culture. It's more of a, a Eastern style hunting box. But anyway, I won't mention his name, but it just really irritated me. You have to understand that no matter how big you think you are, there are bigger fish. And if we don't work together and help each other out, you're going to just get drowned in all the noise. And from the beginning, when I started this company, I swore to myself that I would always help out anywhere I can to anybody that needed it in any business. If I, if I had an answer, I would help them because I would reach out when I first started and it was like, sacrilege that I was sharing certain information with certain kind of guys like you shouldn't like, don't tell me what I should and shouldn't do. If what I tell them benefits them great. And if they use that information to push me down, that's fine. Karma will come back for them and I will just move on without them. I don't need that. You know what I'm saying? I, I'll just be done with you and that's it. And it tied in with, you know, there's companies that aren't even 
dealing with subscription services that I've reached out to and said, Hey, what do you guys need? And even through this pandemic, one of the biggest things that I've been doing is instead of reaching out to big companies, I've been trying to find small businesses and I've been trying to do most of my purchasing through small businesses because I know this time is when they're hurting the most. So I know that let's just say I need 300 of this item or 400 of this item. And I call a guy and all he makes is that item. That's huge for him. That might be his biggest sale of the year. So I feel like if I can do that for somebody and help them along the way and yet put his product in somebody else's hands, it's going to benefit him. That's huge. That's, I'm going to be honest with you. That's better for me than selling anything. Like I don't, I, I never came into this business to make money. And I've said that from the beginning, this is not about me, you know, making it big and buying a big house. And, and it, it never has been about that. I want to be able to help whoever I can along the way. And I have done the best that I can at doing that. And, you know, with that being said, now I have been burned and it sucks, but I know that risk going into it. Right. And, you know, the pluses of doing that and purchasing those products for these small companies that are just getting started, or maybe they're just having a hard time moving along. The downside of that is, many don't know how to address the situation if they can't meet the demands, right? So let's just say I order 200 pillows and the guy's like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks. I really appreciate you thinking of me. And then three days before I'm supposed to ship, he says, yeah, I never shipped them. Uh, I, I can't make that. I, I don't, you know, it, what? And then he calls me and says, well, I could probably pull from my Amazon stock and we'll send them. Okay, great. You'll have them by the 8th. The 10th comes. I still don't have them. Now I'm, I was supposed to ship on the 4th. It's the 10th. I have no product. Now I got to start searching. It's so, in most cases, I got to set up a business account somewhere so I can place an order or get product to me. I mean, so there's that too. But I, it really hit me, you know, you're going to try and talk down about my business to somebody else. I guess he didn't think that it would get back to me, but it did. <clears throat> but that's, and just when I did, I don't know if you follow Gary V, but he had said on a post about don't listen to the noise, you know, be there to help those in need. And those who try to step on you just move on without them. And that's what kind of inspired that post was, you know, I, I, this, this other company trying to step on me behind my back and instead of giving them the time of day and getting in a pissing match or just ignore it, move on. You don't need them. That's all so it is <laughs> at the end of the day is just noise anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that was one of the things, and I forget what I commented on there, but one of the things that strikes me all the time is, and, and you kind of alluded to it is, why, why can't you just be happy for a dude doing his thing, right? Just as you want to be happy doing your thing, it, you know, like it's okay to be like, hey, good job, brother. Move on. You know what I mean? Whether that guy – and I think some of it is, I don't know, envy, jealousy, whatever you want to call it. But it's like how, how come you can't just look at someone and 
look them in the eye, shake their hand and mean like, good job. You know what I mean? Why? Why is it a detriment to you that someone else is doing something good or someone else is smiling um, and enjoying something? It's the oddest thing to me. It's the oddest thing. I just wonder if it's if it's a preconceived notion that there is a limit. You know what I mean? Like there's some kind of false wall or ceiling that it's a race to get to and whoever gets their first wins. Yeah, but whose fucking limit is it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not judging myself on on Derek Depew. Me and Derek are cool. I'm doing my thing. Derek's doing his. He's happy for me. I'm happy for him. That's the way it should be, right? Oh, guy, guy did this bonehead thing or he had a bad podcast. Okay, but is Derek saying, ah, oh, he's a piece of shit? You know what I mean? It just doesn't make sense right. to me, you know? And and we take it seems like, and maybe because I'm so enamored with hunting, right? And hunters and the experience. Maybe that's why I I feel like sometimes is it just me seeing this stuff, like this petty BS? Or is this really happening like this? You know, and it's just like, what I don't I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. You know, I find I find joy in other successes, and it's really weird to me. I, I it's almost to a point where it's uncomfortable how excited I get for other people, and and I don't say that to boast. I say it because it truly. I think sometimes I'm like, man, I hope they don't get creeped out. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know what you're saying though. Because I'm so excited for this. Like uh, Cody reading your, I don't know if you've seen him. Uh, He just killed a slammer of a whitetail on public land in Pennsylvania. Just a friggin' stud of a buck. I put it on my Instagram story, and like, I was on level 100 when I saw that. Like, that is friggin' awesome to kill that caliber of deer on public land. It's just, it's insane, and. Man, he posted that video and the the raw emotion in his face. It was just, dude, I felt like I killed a deer. Like it was awesome. But yeah, sometimes I'm like, yeah, you better you better reel it back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> dude's a creeper. But but there but there's absolutely there's absolutely nothing wrong with feeling like that. Right. There, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. You know, that's like standing on the cliffside with Caesar, me and Drew. He's crying. We start choking up. You know what I mean? We could have been like, oh, I am freaking pussy. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, this is a mo- <laughs> this is a moment. I'm glad to be a part of this moment. And then just to even across, you know, social, just to see people in our demographic happy and enjoying that experience and and to a point in some instances living vicariously through that i don't think there's anything wrong with it and then you know it, it, like you said the, with the limit like there's like there who can hit the wall faster who cares they just showed you yeah. that it can be done that's an average dude right you shouldn't yeah, be worried about absolutely. the limit you should be worried about the potential that's in front of you that maybe you didn't realize and that's why you're a freaking dick worried about what someone else is doing <laughs> you know what i mean it's like come on yeah. man Give, you know if you don't like the guy then don't like the guy or whatever but come the f, f- on it's crazy. And there, was a, there was a point in time where I found myself, you know, I'd slide onto somebody else's Instagram or Facebook, seeing what they're doing. Oh man, they just did this. Yeah. And I stopped myself. And it, it was about a week's time period. 
I'm like, what am I doing? Who cares? Who cares? Good for them. You know, like be no matter who you are or what you do, you always veer off the path one way or the other. And I was, I found myself going down that path. Like, like I was getting, and there's nothing wrong with being competitive, but I was starting to worry so much about what everybody else is doing to try to benefit me instead of just doing me. And I, and I found that when I just do me, that things just roll better, like business rolls better. My life rolls better. You know, my surroundings, everything just seems to flow. But when I try to force things, everything runs muck. Everything goes crazy, out of control. And that's not, I mean, that's in, it, that's in everything. That's not just hunting. That's everything. Right. And you're getting you're you're taking yourself out of the game, so to speak. Right. And, and we talked about it earlier. You know, you get into the elk woods and, you know, you're frustrated and you're pissing and moaning and kicking around and you're not focused on, you know, what's right in front of you because, you yeah. you know, you, you, your thought process is all jacked up, man. Yeah, I let it get to me this year and I, I hope <laughs> I can't promise anything, but I hope in the years to come, I just. I take what the last day of that hunt, the knowledge that I got from that, and I just run with it. And I don't let myself get to that point. Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, I'm having a shitty day, but why don't I just pack up, go somewhere else? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the part of it too, right? I mean, we're, we're not going to be, we're not going to avoid the frustrations and the ass kickings. That's just part of it. And that's, you know, for me, that's part of the draw. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't, obsess over it so much right it's it's beating those limits um you know or outsmarting or you know getting lucky on their mistake but outsmarting them to a point that's what keeps us going so i don't think we can avoid that but it's just where where's our focus in that right and and staying cognizant of i'm gonna get my ass beat you know and being okay with it i'm to the point now man where i just i welcome it um, you know, and sometimes to my detriment, you know, I'll go, Oh, I can go this way or I can go that way. I'm going to go that way. Cause then I got something that I accomplished if I don't kill that deer, <laughs> you know, and it's just yeah. Yeah, a lot of times to my detriment, man, I've been chasing the same damn buck for three years, you know, and that's, that's half of that <laughs> is, you know, I should go this way. No, I'm gonna go that way, you know? And I don't know. I, I just thought it was cr- a, a cool post to see that. And then, you know, the commenting and it just, it drives me crazy, man. We, we're, we're a small demographic again, and you don't have yeah. to agree with anybody, but if we're going to see any adversity, it, it needs to be from elsewhere. Not, you know, we need to be fighting the, the, the good fights, right? The, the battles we need to be fighting in and to keep this, you know, privilege as it is um, going without any more restrictions and bans and, you know, being peated and, you know, Gavin Newsom, um, you know, for me here, they protect wild, you know, uh, protection of wildlife is, is, uh, putting mountain lions on an endangered species list for five years. Um, and there, there's more numbers than there ever been. And it just, you know, it's like, we're not fighting that, but we're fighting each other. I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's like fucking crazy. It's the whole trojan horse look over here while over here i'm winning they fight about crossbows and trail cams and garmin sights and 
meat deer versus trophies, and I'll be over here taking your rights away. Thanks. With no opposition. Yeah. How many people are going to comment to your buddy's deer and say that, uh, oh, it's probably on a ranch? You know what I mean? It just... Yeah, who cares? Who cares if a guy went to a ranch? You know what I mean? That's his that's his prerogative. If if he had the money to go do it or that was his pursuit. So so what? So much whack that the guy from Jimmy John's caught for that bull because they were saying because he didn't hike out himself, find the bull and kill the bull all by impacting himself. But like people go so extreme. Like I wouldn't give a shit if it took a hundred guys and I killed a bull. Like, be happy for the guy. That's a slammer of a friggin' bull. I mean, an absolute toad of a bull. Like, I was excited as shit. I'm like, look at that thing. Hell yeah! And you know, I'm reading comments. I'm like, oh, here we go. This is what uh, Jimmy John's money will do for you. Hell and this yeah, is it was. I'm, I'm like. <laughs> Oh, if I had Jimmy John's money, I'd be doing, doing the, the same, same shit. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'd be hunting uh, four and five for the guy. Yeah. Four and five places a year, man. Doing a damn thing. You know what I mean? If every one of those guys, if they had whatever that cost was, 20 grand to go do it, they would they would do it. Who would say In no? A heartbeat. Who would say no? In a heartbeat. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. Jimmy John, why don't you come here and hunt, man? It's going to cost you this much. You mean to tell me that you would turn down the opportunity if you had the means, right, the disposable income to do so? You know what I mean? The, you, you look at it, and, and I'm sure it's across the industry where guys catch flack. Uh, yeah. One of them, Cam, take my money. Cam Haynes. <laughs> how much flack does Cam Haynes catch? Right. Oh, but, man. For everything, he breathes the wrong way. Right. But, but look <laughs> at what the guy has done. He has built. What if that was his dream? He has built that. Why take that away from him? Whether you agree with him hunting on a, on private or not, he built that for that opportunity. How can you down yeah. a guy for working his ass off for as long as the guy has been in it? You know, he's Haters gonna hate. It's man. crazy. Some dude. people aren't happy unless they're downing somebody else, and it's it's disgusting. Well, like you said, you know, it's amazing how that's what it, that's what the comment was. You you had replied to me. It's amazing how many people to try and cut, you know, folks off at the knees. And I said, that's a good way to get kicked in the goddamn face. Right. I it just, yeah. you know, it's like, come on, man. Uh, yeah. Just because you can't have something doesn't mean somebody else shouldn't. Yeah. And, and, and nine times out of ten. Whatever that is, at some point, if you agree or not, they worked for that. They put themselves in a position to do that. So not only are yeah. you downing that, you're downing the work that it took to get to that point. You know, yeah. that ain't their fault. That's your fault. You're looking at your yeah. there you go. You're looking at the limitations instead of looking at the potential, you damn fool. Yeah. Ugh, man, oh man. And a lot of it falls back to accountability. In all walks of life, we got to have accountability, and there's just there's just too much of this. Nobody wants to look in the mirror. They would rather just point blame and put other people down because of their own insecurities. And you know, I I feel bad for a lot of them, even if they're assholes or negative or whatever. I feel bad for them. You know, there's obviously something going on with them that they feel they need to put somebody else down and. I don't know, man. I don't. Yeah. You ain't got to agree with everybody, but you can't take away what they've done to get where they're at. I mean, that's just, 
Right. You know, plain and simple truth. Of yeah. It. Well, I'm going to end it on that rant, brother. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good note, man. It was good catching up with yeah. you. Yeah, it was awesome. So drop uh, drop the Mountain Hunter Box um, website, et cetera, et cetera. I'll throw the link in the uh, the show notes. Um, I think the Western Contours code is still there, so I'll throw that in there, too. Still going, man. Um, yeah. So we'll throw that in there. Yeah, what, what's the discount on that? Do you know? Uh, I want to say it's free shipping on your first box. All right, let's do uh, standby. Let me see what this coupon is here. Anyway, you can go to the website. It's uh, themountainhunterbox.com. Make sure you use the, the Mountain Hunter. Stupid, I know, but I wasn't spending $50,000 to get Mountain Hunter Box domain. <laughs> it just wasn't worth it. Um, uh, we're going to be having a killer Black Friday deal, so keep an eye out on that as well. Um, get you set up here. Uh, let's do. We're gonna change that. It was fifteen percent off, which is like six dollars. Let's do ten dollars off your first box. Actually. Let's do 40% off your first box. It'll be just type it. Yeah, you use Western Contours. Yeah. All right, I'll throw that back up there. And then just, you know, for folks that that may not know, the 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 value of the box is what that they're getting. So you will be receiving three or five items. It's at the minimum, you're going to get $65 worth of gear. So it could be up to $100 worth of gear. I've had it about $108, I think, is the highest box we've had. But, yeah. So we've got three months, six months, 12 months. We just changed to a new platform. We just built a new website. Um, the platform is on Subly now. We used to be on Cratejoy. But there were just too many limitations on Cratejoy. So... We switched to Subly. So now if you order a 12 month, it's more, it's more like, uh, like a cell phone contract. So you pay, you still pay monthly. You get it at the discounted rate for purchasing a six month, three month, 12 month or whatever. But instead of coming up with $500 down and getting six boxes or whatever, or 12 boxes. Now, you know, you just charge the monthly fee. And then when your time's up, you can cancel it and be done with it. <laughs> And the new website looks great, by the way. And he sent me that. And I never responded. It looks good. Yeah, thank you. I, I, man. <laughs> you don't have so to I, tell me. I, I'm working on mine again right now. Uh, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, that's another. That's a whole nother realm. <laughs> it's so man. So time consuming. You know, I've never. I've never done anything like that. So for me to build this website and it'd be functioning properly, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I was tired of all the, it, all the bugs in the other one. It, it's funny. And I'm a tangent and then we'll, we'll sign off. But you know, as I, as I get followers and whatnot, it, for me, it's important. It's important for me to 
look at as legitimately each and every person, right? So I'll get a follower and I'll scroll through and I'll look at it and I'll read their post. And, you know, some folks have websites and uh, it's funny because you go to some of them and I'm not talking mess. I'm just saying it's funny because I know what's going on there because I've done it. And, you know, they'll have, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, hunting.com. And uh, man, great. They got, you know, great Instagram photos and great captions. And you go to the website and it's like, the just the <laughs> opening page or coming soon or you know what i mean it's like screw this website crap <laughs> they got the first page done they go screw this shit yeah they realize like man oh man if you don't know it it is uh it's something else bro. yeah absolutely well brother i appreciate the time man um yeah we'll we'll be talking soon and I'm sweat shopping most of the evening and then uh, recording a couple of days a week. So we got something, uh, something for mountain hunter box coming. I think we said December, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Heck yeah. So that'll be cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, brother. Well, you have a good one, man. I'll let you back to the fam. Stay safe out there uh, on the, on the front lines, especially coming up here soon. I'm sure it's going to, be a little bit uh, touch and go in, in the next week or so yes sir so all right brother all right brother i'll talk we'll to talk you soon again. man thanks a lot thank you for listening follow western contours on instagram subscribe on youtube and sign up at westerncontours.com episodes are available on most major platforms apple podcast google play and stitcher Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to valleytopeaknutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. Sign up for Mountain Hunter Box on our partners page. Mountain Hunter Box is a monthly subscription box for backcountry hunters. Receive quality hunting gear and camping gear at your doorstep every month. You can select the species you want to hunt and the method of take. With three, six, and 12-month subscription options, use Western Contours at checkout.